Legends. It's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. We help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create amazing actual relationships. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, host of the Ken Coleman Show, an expert on your career and your job. And boy, is that a subject out there today. We're here to talk to you about your life and your money. The phone number is 888-825-5225. The call is free, and some say the advice is worth exactly what you pay for it. 888-825-5225. We're going to start with Baltimore this hour. Robin is there. Hi, Robin. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Dave? Better than I deserve. What's up? Thank you for taking my call. Um, My question today is my husband and I own a home. And we're looking to, we're hoping to move soon, but we also have some debt. Um, so we're just trying to figure out the best next steps um, for, for, for ourselves. Okay. Why are you moving? Um, we need more space. We have a two-bedroom, and we have an 18-month-old son, and we would like to try for another baby uh, soon. Cool. So we would like to have a three-bedroom house. And I also work from home, so we do need, like, some type of office space or area. Okay. How much debt have you got, not counting your house? Not counting the house, I would say 70, 50 in student loans, and um, I'm sorry, 55 in student loans and 15 in credit cards. Okay. And um, what's your household income? 95,000. Good for you. Okay. What do you guys do for a living? Um, I am a financial analyst, and my husband works in auto manufacturing. Okay. All right. Well, your goal of moving up in house to have, you know, a little more room for your family is a great goal and it's a reasonable goal. I think we can agree it is a want and not a need. Um, okay. I would say like we could get to now, a I need is another- shelter. You have shelter. You have yeah. one baby and a two bedroom house. Everything's okay today, but it'd be nice yeah. to move up. It'd be nice to move up. I'm not saying you can't do a want. I spend money on wants. I'm okay with that. But we need to classify it where it really is. Now, the number one key to building wealth, the number one wealth-building tool that you have is your income. And when you send it all to Sally Mae, it's very difficult to build wealth. And so uh, before you buy wants, you get your house in order, no pun intended, um, and, uh, that means you get these debts paid off. And so if I'm you, I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm going to work as much as I can work. I'm going to live on nothing and I'm going to knock out these debts ASAP. And, um, it's probably going to take you 18 months and that's living on beans and rice. 18 months. So you suggesting in the house for now, stay in the house um, and get out of debt before you spend money on luxuries, which is a move up in house is a luxury. Your family is not going to die. If you don't move up in house, it would just be a really nice thing to get to move up in house. That means it's a luxury, not a need. Yeah. It would just be uncomfortable. And I guess we have a lot of things to cut expenses, but like a daycare is so expensive. We pay, um, what do we pay? 1300 a month in daycare is more than our okay, Your option is to move up in-house and keep the debt, and you will be stuck in the middle class the rest of your life because you're not dealing with your issues. I want you to become wealthy. 
I, I yeah, I when you move up in house, you're going to move up in house payment. Now your budget's going to be even tighter because Sally May also needs her own bedroom. Yeah. So, Robin, you do make a very good point. You can cut expenses. So, what can we do to reduce the childcare cost? Got to look at it from 18 different angles. Where there's a will, there's a way is an old phrase. And in this case, yes, $1,300 a month for childcare. Uh, that's a lot. And it's more than your mortgage, you said. So I would absolutely be doing what Dave said, but finding ways to make more money and reduce cost, which means you could take that 18 months, as Dave's saying, with rice and beans, and with more income we add, the more intensity we add, the quicker you get out of this debt. And now we can begin to think about the future, but your focus needs to be on the now. Thanks, Robin. We appreciate your call. So, guys, I talked to our staff here, our 1,200 team members, Monday morning, and um, we talked about it a little bit on the air the other day, but it's worth bears a repeating, Ken, that um, here's what I'm always going to give you. I'm always going to give you the hard path on the short term because it is the easy path in the long term. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to give you the easy path in the short term because it's always the hard path in the long term. Easy path for her in the short term is go buy a nicer house. But she's stuck in the debt. Her budget's even tighter. She's going to struggle to be able to build wealth and find money to save and invest for her kids' college and for their retirement investing and be able to get the house paid off and Sally Mae kicked out and the other rest of that debt kicked out. That's what normal people do. They buy whatever they want, whenever they want it, like they're in Congress. And normal Normal finances in America suck. You don't want to be normal. It's awful. And so what you want to be is unusual. You want to be weird. So one of the greatest compliments you get on this show is if I call you weird. Mm. It means you're being you're doing hard stuff yeah. to get an easy life long term. It's always harder to work out and avoid a donut than it is to just pop donuts in your face. Believe me, I know. I have the ability to eat untold infinite numbers of donuts in one setting. Uh, and I have to uh, curb that appetite, but, and it's hard. But it's easier than walking around with all the diseases of obesity. Right. Well, you know, the mindset, this is a mindset. So a lot of people think of this type of rice and beans, gazelle intensity that Dave, that we teach, as a sacrifice. And I think it's worth shifting that mindset from thinking of it as a sacrifice and think of it as an investment. It's a price to be paid. Yes. Yeah. I am investing in my future. price of admission to a better life. That's it. And you've got to invest in yourself. So stop thinking of, oh, it's drudgery and, oh, we got to sacrifice and, oh, we got to do this. No. Okay. Here's, if we do this, this has yield, long-term yield, long-term impact, long-term return on my investment, not my sacrifice, yeah. but I'm investing in me, my family, our future. Yeah, like a buddy of mine, I, there was a huge negative article written about me. A buddy of mine goes like, oh, man, I'm I'm so sorry. And I said, well, you know, it's the price of admission to get to be Dave Ramsey. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. I'll pay the price. It's awesome. I don't want to be somebody else. I like me. Life's good. I got a great life. And if, if all that means is some idiot left-wing journalist thinks I'm a, a, a capitalist pig and correctly identified me as such, yeah. um, then uh, then have at it, baby. That's the price of admission to be Dave. That's right. You know, what's, what's the price of admission to be wealthy? What's the price of admission to raise great kids? What's the price of admission to look at your drunk friend and say, you need to get off the sauce. You're screwing up your life. It's harder to have the conflict than it is to go along and buy him another round. Hard is easier. 
than easy always turns out to be hard because you're wimping, you're mailing it in. You're not paying a price. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey, listen up. When we invest, most of us have no idea where our money is going. But the reality is your investments could be funding social and cultural causes that you would never choose to support. With Timothy Plan, you can avoid putting your hard-earned money into things you don't approve of and invest in companies that line up with your values. With Timothy Plan's pro-life, pro-family filter, you can invest with moral responsibility while going after competitive returns. So while it's still true that you can't serve God and money, you can make your money serve your values. Contact your financial advisor today to see if Timothy Plan is right for you. Visit timothyplan.com for more information. Investing includes risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's investment objective, risks, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus available at timothyplan.com. Read carefully before investing. Mutual funds distributed by Timothy Partners, LTD, and ETFs distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LSC. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Jackson, Kansas City. Hey, Jack, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Better than I deserve. What's up? Uh, I had a question about uh, purchasing a vehicle in today's climate Mm -hmm. for my wife. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would amount to purchasing two vehicles at the same time, basically. Okay. Riddle me this. What are you talking about? Well, I've been I've been driving a vehicle for about 20 years mm-hmm. as my everyday vehicle. Mm-hmm. I inherited it from my father, brand new, basically. He he bought it brand new and then got diagnosed with a terminal illness and mm. ended up passing away soon after. Mm. And so that was about 19 and a half years ago. I've been driving the car. Uh, it's a Subaru race car. Mm-hmm. Um. Long story short, uh, I've been taking it only to dealers, and my local dealer kind of wrecked it the last time they serviced it, trying to install a clutch, and destroyed the transmission, and did a bunch of damage, and basically ruined the car for me. So they're going to pay you for the car? uh, We made a deal. We came to a deal uh, that avoided anyone going to court, and so they're going to sell me a new car. And give me a bunch of money off on it, basically. The equivalent of the value of the other car. Yeah, plus a little bit over, I think. And you're, and you're, well, yeah, I'm sure there's margin in that thing. So there's margin in them that their Uh, deals. So uh, you're getting a brand new Subaru. Yes. Okay, so that that deal's done. Base model, basically. That deal is done. And what are you spending there? What are you spending on that car? Uh, It's going to cost about twenty five thousand. Okay, what's your household income? Uh, our household income is about 200. Okay. And you want to spend what uh, on your wife's 20, car? 20. So here's the thing. The dealer felt bad and he told me, I told him my wife needed some work on her vehicle as well then. And he said he would give her the same deal he's given me if I wanted to buy her. one. So I wasn't thinking about getting her one before he said that. He's going to give you the price of your old car off of your wife's and your car, or just a good price? No, he's basically going to give me all the money he's given me off my deal, 
And he said he'll do the same thing for her. He'll give her the same money off as if he wrecked her car. And just because he feels bad, he says. How much so was the, how much value? Deal. How much did they give you for your old car? For the old car, uh, it's leaking out of the head. Now, how much money did they right give now. you for your old car? Oh, for my old car. Yeah. Uh, they basically gave me about four, four thousand for my car. Okay, and well, they, and then they knocked off how the much more? The car. Then they knocked off how much more? Then they knocked off another three. Okay, so they're going to knock seven thousand off said, of another Subaru if you buy two in a row. Basically, yeah. And and your wife is driving what now? She's driving a Subaru that's. Um, What's about, it worth? Got a hundred. Uh, it would be worth about seven or eight, except that it's got to have the leaky head gasket fixed, yeah. which okay. will cost three to four. All right, so it's going to it's going to you're going to be able to sell it for five, right? Yeah, if I fix it. Yeah. Yeah. No, if you don't fix it. If you fix it, it'll sell for uh, seven maybe. or eight. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's just it's drivable. It's just got a leaky head gasket, and it's an old Correct. freaking Subaru. Now, how much, what is your net worth? What is your net worth? Net worth? I just did a calculation. I think our if I go by just net worth, we're at about two hundred and thirty-ish thousand, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Between equity, and you have and the money. cash to pay for all these cars. No. Uh, well, uh, only if I take money out of a Roth account or something. So No, no. we're not buying these cars. We're not buying cars with yeah, Roth money. I only money. have the cash to pay for one car. Okay. Okay. Um, but my mother's been telling me, you know, maybe I should be buying some reliable cars for the... Yeah, maybe you should, but maybe you shouldn't be going and taking your retirement money out to do that. You probably... I, I'm going to pass on no, the... I'm going to pass payment. on the second one, because I don't recommend people buy new cars that go down in value like a rock, except for in the last 12 months, um, uh, unless they have a net worth of in excess of a million dollars, because that way you can accept the blow on that. So I would save up some money, and I would buy your wife a better car that is used... And I would forego this sweet dealer's offer, which is really not that great an offer anyway. It's an okay offer, but it wasn't like he gave you like half off the stinking thing or something. So yeah. I mean, he, he basically gave up his margins is what he did. And he's got you back on the hook for more work in the, uh, and everything else in the, in the shop. But no, I, I I'll pass on the second one. Uh, I would save up and buy her a better car and I would pay cash for it. And I would not cash out my retirement, but we don't borrow money to buy cars. We don't buy cars where the total of all your vehicles is more than half your annual income. And I don't buy brand new cars unless they're a million dollars, unless you have a million dollar net worth or greater. And here's why, because they go down in value and you need to be concentrating on things that go up in value. Yeah. And, and in this situation, I'd go and fix the Subaru for the wife. And then save up, save up. You're going to get a decent amount. I think, Dave, you're right. You're going to get seven or eight for it if it's fixed up. And then you put that into the savings, and all of a sudden we've upgraded pretty substantially without any kind of debt. It is doable. And but people not, get the itch. And I, I don't I don't fix $6,000 cars at the dealership either. No. Uh, I fix $6,000 cars at independent mechanics where the cost is about half of what it is to fix a car at a dealership. And so um, – if you have a brand new vehicle and you know whatever and you spend a ton of money on it and you make a lot of money and you want to take it in for the dealer to service it that's one thing but you don't take a six thousand dollar car into a head gasket job into the dealership you're going to pay double what you'd pay with an independent good mechanic shopping around so do some shopping around i i'm not doing it no no so a subaru with a hundred thousand miles is just getting warmed up yeah well that's okay i mean i don't mind him moving up and no you, you know, but you can oh, fix oh, by the way by, oh, i forgot to tell you the federal law too wife gets the good car 
that's exactly that's the federal right. law that's so right. that means she gets the new one you get the one with the busted head gasket y'all are about to trade cars out <laughs> so this is how that works that's yeah. a marriage thing they're just helping you oh open phones at 888-825-5225 dylan's with us in scranton pennsylvania hi dylan how are you hey good afternoon i'm doing very well how are you today better than we deserve sir how can we help good uh so i have a general question uh i took a job with a church in philadelphia last year in september they offered me a sixty thousand dollar salary but it's basically a package deal Um, i'm currently 23 years old i'm married i do own a house with my wife we purchased in december of last year and basically part of the deal is that right now i'm on my parents insurance but the church does offer full health insurance, full medical, but I'm going to lose $18,000 of my salary. So the church is paying me that $18,000 currently. So I'm bringing home like $58,000. Why would your insurance be $1,500 a month? I have no clue. And I, I had worked for uh, Walmart, prior to this and i know the family insurance was a lot cheaper and i'm just trying to navigate how to approach this because i don't want to get two years so basically from from now two years from now i'm going to lose eighteen thousand dollars of my salary due to health insurance small church um not quite um it's a larger church they employ 350 people Mm -hmm. they do have a full school their health insurance um, plan sucks. So, yeah, it's bad. But you got it's, two it's years. Pretty, yeah. I have two years to prepare for this. So the reason I wanted to get your professional advice on this was that I'm trying to navigate what to do. So currently, I am a property caretaker, and I'm an apprentice to literally every trade. So I'm learning mechanics. I'm learning plumbing, electrical, everything with this job do you want to be full-time ministry or do you want to add one of these trades as a part-time gig to supplement which one i think my desire is to be full-time ministry then Then do the trades on the side to make up for the the increased cost of insurance you got two years to figure this deal out go shopping on the health insurance and see if you can't buy in the independent market cheaper too but i would stay in the ministry seat that's the seat you want to be in don't let health insurance drive you out of your dream yep Hey guys, it's Rachel Cruz here to tell you about a faith-based alternative to health insurance that can make healthcare more affordable, Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM allows members to share each other's healthcare costs, and it's as easy as one, two, three. Step one, choose the healthcare provider you want. Step two, submit your eligible bills. And step three, get reimbursed. CHM members take care of your eligible medical bills. With no network and the freedom to choose your healthcare provider, CHM is the best option for Christians who want to take care of their families and help other believers. Find out more at chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today in the lobby of Ramsey Solutions on the debt-free stage. Sean and Tammy are with us. Hey, guys, how are you? <laughs> doing fantastic. How are you doing, Dave? Better than we deserve. Good to have you guys. Where do y'all live? Uh, we live in the uh, Houston, Texas area. Oh, wonderful. So good to have you. How much debt have you paid off? 
we paid off uh, about a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! How long did this take? It took us uh, about eight years. Okay. And your range of income during that time? Uh, range about seventy thousand to about one hundred thirty thousand for both of us. Okay. Cool. And what kind of debt was the hundred thousand? It was mostly student loan debt. Mm, old Sally Mae took a while to get her out of the house, huh? <laughs> she so uh, tell us the story. What happened here? There you go, sir. Um. So we uh got a copy of your show yeah yeah so so we <laughs> we moved uh to houston and bought a big house um a big house you know it was about four thousand square feet mm -hmm. and um i started a new job there and uh, a buddy of mine at co at work he went around and he was passing around and say, hey you guys i got this uh i got this uh, audio thing and he started we download on our computers i listened to it and it was a financial peace university it was a, apparently a pirated copy of it so okay that'll work <laughs> but um and we started listening and we were like wow we're we're doing that wrong and we're yeah. doing that wrong and there's a way better way to do that <laughs> yeah it was like one thing right after the other, i was like oh man this makes so much sense why why, why are we doing why are we so stupid <laughs> so we wow. made a huge chart on the back of our bedroom door that had all 100 little steps that we needed to get to a hundred thousand dollars and we just got fired up and we started paying it off and paying it off and paying it off and we did great at the beginning and then um i started having these weird spells where i would forget things so we went to the doctor and found out that i had epilepsy oh and tried a couple of medications and then they didn't help so then we went and got an mri and found out that i had a brain tumor Oh, there's that. Wow. So then we were like, okay, you stop the debt snowball. You just right. start stockpiling money. Right. And you get ready. And so I had the brain tumor taken out. And then we find out that if you do it on purpose and you save up your money, it takes a good two, three months to get the bill. And this time we just paid off the bill with cash instead of adding to the debt like we had our whole lives. Oh, wow. Uh, one of the debts that we had was the birth of our daughter Haley, this mm -hmm. cute little blonde over here. Mm -hmm. But with her, we knew we were pregnant. It took nine months to bake her up in the oven. Mm -hmm. And then nine months later, we still hadn't paid it off. Mm. And that's how we were living before. Mm -hmm. And now we get a brain tumor out of the blue. And by the time the bill comes, we just pay it off. Wow. That's a nice thing to have while you're facing something that severe. Yeah, yeah. Well, wow. and it, it it doesn't stop there. You know, afterward, um, because of the brain tumor, we found out there was other complications that happened. You know, she had lost. Uh, you know, when they took it out, she lost sensation in half the half of her face, so mm -hmm. she couldn't feel what was in her eyes. So mm -hmm. she had an eye surgery where they grafted a nerve into her into her face from her Whoa. leg, and then uh, she couldn't hear, So, or actually she could hear too well, I guess is the thing. So three surgery, ear surgeries later, she now has much better hearing. But this was like a year later and then a year later so that we could pay our out-of-pocket max every year. But that kept kicking <laughs> Sally Mae down the road a little bit because you're dealing yeah. with health stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I always say that we're the, the little engines that could. Yeah. Like we were on the debt snowball plan. Yeah. And we wanted to do it, but all these things kept coming up. Much more important to take care of you than Sally. Yeah. And um, then our, we crashed our car. Yeah. I got in a head-on <laughs> collision and uh, total why not? Total yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and 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 that was that was our first car that we bought with cash because we oh. had uh, we had to upgrade from the little tiny sedan that we had because we had six kids now, so we bought a we bought a minivan, a used minivan, uh -huh. had totaled that, and then I was informed about a month later that I was put on notice for a layoff. Of course, yeah. So it all happens all at once. But uh, gum country song, man, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> and so you know, people tell you like, yeah, I started Dave Ramsey, and it's a good idea and stuff, but then stuff happens in life, and you can't just follow it. 
And we were like, baloney, we don't do debt. Even if we have six bodies and a car that only fits five, we're going to make do and we're going to buy a car with cash because we don't do debt anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so we bought a brand, well, not a brand new car. It was new to us. It mm-hmm. was a used car. Mm-hmm. Had uh had, you know, 40,000 miles on it. We were, you know, the Lord blessed us with with uh, the cash that we needed in order to, to get it paid for without going into debt at all. Uh, so many naysayers kept saying, hey, you guys, just, just get a loan. Come on, you can do it. I mean, it's just it's just a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, we decided not to. Um, and then that, that the medical journey just kept going on. So I guess, what was it total? How many surgeries? So then they said for epileptics, there's this thing you can install in your brain and it will help turn it off. Mm-hmm. So I had brain surgery again. And then it didn't work. So then the next year, they said, we can just go in and take that chunk of your brain out. And we said, okay. And by this point, he was like, okay, we're putting our out-of-pocket max in our budget. Because we keep doing it year after year. Um, And then it didn't work. Yeah. Because I'm just that patient. Yeah. But luckily, he said, we can can put that thing back in your brain. But I can't imagine how it would have been if this doctor was like, there's something else we can try to help you because you're a difficult patient. Mm -hmm. But you haven't paid your bill from last year. You know, because that's the way we were living before we did the Ramsey plan. But this way, we paid it with cash. So when they had something else that so we could try to help us. Five surgeries now or six? How many was it? Seven, I think, total? Seven. Total okay. is nine. nine. Well, total is nine. Four well, of them when was the surgeries. last one? Yeah. How long ago was the last one? October. This long ago? I was bald oh. in October. Okay. All right. <laughs> so how are you doing overall now? Uh, I still have about two um, seizures a week. Mm, bless you. But the thing is, what would it have been like if every time I needed a surgery or every time I needed to change medications, mm. we had to panic about money? Yeah. Like now it's not a problem. And while you're doing all nine surgeries, you go ahead and pay off Sally Mae. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, and have some kids and live like and fix a head on and get laid off. And yeah, oh my gosh. We're the little engines that could. <laughs> and, and you know, the thing. I, I think more than that, I think you just didn't quit. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Unbelievable heart. And, and, and I just, this isn't a question, just a comment. I hope the audience is paying attention to this. You had financial peace in the midst of still paying off the debt. You know, the fact that you guys press pause, but the ability to do that, Dave, I mean, the, you know, they hadn't even paid off all the debt yet and still cash flowed stuff. Yeah. Very amazing. Huge. You yeah. guys are something else. Very, very well done. Yeah. What do you tell people the key to getting out of debt is? Um, to not pay for Christmas with your December paychecks. <laughs> <laughs> it's very prescriptive. <laughs> I'm also going to tell you, never quit. That's right. In her case, yeah. Yeah. it's like a Winston Churchill speech: mm-hmm. never quit, never, never, never quit. Once we got the budget, it was just nice to be able to say, "This is how much we need for new school clothes, and this is how much we need for Christmas, and this is how much we need for out-of-pocket max in, t- in case Tammy needs to have brain surgery." And I'm the free spirit. And now the thought of not having a budget is mm. scary to me because I'm like, but. And a monthly budget meeting. <laughs> yeah, really. So let me ask you this. I don't know anything about the medical part of this. Does stress add to the likelihood of you have an episode? Yes. He's shaking She's, his head. Yes. She says no, but I say yes because I see it. Okay. Oh. All right. So the fact that you don't have financial stress in the house is probably helping. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's allowed us to focus on the things important these four right here mm-hmm. our relationship with each other mm-hmm. instead her, he- of her health yeah her health oh exactly yeah instead yeah. of focusing on money on, mm-hmm. on on this material stuff that that consumes so many people's lives stupid car payment on a stupid car mm-hmm. yeah wow you guys are fun <laughs> amazing you're, you're you're inspiring 
Wow. All right, let's bring the kiddos up. What are their names and ages? This is Jacob, Sierra, Haley, and Kai, and they are 13, 11, 9, and 7. All right, very good. We've got a copy of uh, Baby Steps Millionaires for you. That's the next chapter in your story, and uh, you guys have quite a story, but the, the little train that didn't quit, for sure, without a doubt. Also got a copy of uh, a non-pirated Financial Peace <laughs> University version, and uh, we'll let you watch it legally this time. Yeah. <laughs> And available with Ramsey Plus. It's online now, and we'll give you a one-year subscription so you guys can go through it. Brand new videos on this, and they're the best we've ever done. The classes are the best it's ever been in all these years. And uh, also a copy of Total Money Makeover. So, all right, gang, count it down. 100000 paid off in eight years while they take quite a journey from 70 to 130. Count it down. Let's hear a debt-free scream. Okay, you guys ready? Three, two, one. I am debt-free! 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 That's how it's done. Wow. Ken Coleman, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. Matt's in Erie, Pennsylvania. Hey, Matt, how are you? Hi, Dave. Hi, Ken. How you doing? Better than we deserve, sir. How can we help? Yeah, so my wife and I were 23 years old. We got married uh, when we were 21. And I'm a youth pastor, and she works a customer service job so that she can stay at home and take care of our baby. Um, we're on baby steps four, five, and six, and we both have had n- we've never had any debt except for our mortgage. Way to go! We, we both have always thank you, appreciate it. We both have always enjoyed listening to you and following your program. But we recently took FPU, and we left it feeling super inspired to like pay off our debt for our house. So we currently have 48000 left on it, and it's a fixed 15-year mortgage, but I don't want to just wait 15 years for it. I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and so I hear you talk about the importance of having a big shovel to pay off debt, and as someone who's getting started in his career and is in ministry, I don't have a huge shovel. Um, my, my question is, is how can I wisely increase my income while balancing the responsibility and calling of being a pastor to pay off our house? Good for you. Yeah, I love the question, Matt. My uh, my dad was a pastor, and many times in our uh, childhood or adolescence, he would have to, because he pastored a small church, so had a very small income and not a lot of opportunity, he would have to add things. And so, you know, dad was very good with um, construction work and things of that nature. So my yeah. my thought would be, where do you have some talent and skill that you can immediately put to work so you've got some premium, something premium to offer? based on the time you can give. So how many hours a week could you give? Well, I could do I could do evenings and then Fridays and Saturdays, so maybe like, I mean, realistically, maybe like 20 hours, something right. like that. So you start there. I've got 20 hours max. And so what can I do? What can I do that will allow me to make some money quickly? Because we're talking about hourly work right now. You can make 20 bucks an hour if you're stocking shelves, you know, at uh, Walmart or Target. But what's a skill that you have yeah. right now that you know you can get paid for? Well, um, I really like to work with people, like talk with them. Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty relational. I can't say I'm I'm super handy, but I'm learning. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm 23. I'll, I'm really you know I I kind of view myself more as scrappy than anything. I'll just I'll do whatever I can to. So to really uh, what your your degree? I mean, you went to seminary. Did you have another degree other than seminary? No, it's so it's uh, it's a it's a youth pastoral degree with right. pastoral leadership. Perfect. Good. Good. Okay. 
Yeah, so it's just a matter of poking around and figuring out what you could do that you can make the most per hour on the short term. Yeah. And I honestly, my general rule is I always, I'm kind of entrepreneurial, so I always move towards some kind of self-employed anything. And it, it yeah. could be something as silly as walking dogs or pet sitting and, you know, making yeah. 30 bucks an hour doing that. And, um, I mean, we've had people do their debt-free screams on here that have done that. The great news is you're way ahead. You're A, you're thinking about this. B, you only owe $48,000. I mean, you could pay yeah. off this house in like two years yeah of that, extra that, income that's the goal that's what i want <laughs> yeah but i mean extra income it's just a matter of how much you guys want to get jacked up about this um and then uh so so then the other question is you know what ken's saying is true the data that we have working with churches all across america we've worked with about seventy-five thousand churches now over the past 30 years and the data that we have is somewhere around 80 to 85 percent of pastors are bivocational most churches are not of size that they can uh, even support the senior pastor full-time. Uh, just yeah. in general, the movement, the way the church movement's been in America. And uh, traditionally, the worship pastor and youth pastor starve to death, you know, until you get into a mega church or something, right? And so, mm-hmm. you're, yeah. you're, you know, you're in your calling, it's going to be a few years before your calling pays you uh, a substantial amount of money. Now, as your calling does develop, though, uh, particularly your oratory skills, if you become a great preacher, you may get some side gigs uh, speaking at youth conferences yep. and uh, other things, you know, filling in for a pastor here or there, pulpit ministry, that kind of thing, um, and even later on, maybe some writing. So a lot of pastors supplement their incomes within the calling, uh, and then some just simply uh, – you know, they have a, a, a bread route, a donut route, and they deliver tr- off a truck, you know, and or they work UPS or whatever the, whatever it is you do. But, um, you know, the good news is you're willing to work, and like you said, scrappy. And honestly, I'll take scrappy over yes. six degrees any day. Uh, six scrappy will get her done. And there's so much opportunity right now, Dave, for somebody who's scrappy. So, you know, Matt, look, I'd look at people-based work. You got those 20-hour block. You got that time of day. That you're looking at so this is just the hunt as dave said but you got limited hours and you have a limited time during the week so what are we looking at people-based work sure would be great sales customer service work uh, but if it's just good old-fashioned delivery or waiting tables i would do that yep exactly nick is with us in salt lake city hi nick how are you good how are you guys doing better than we deserve what's up so i just had a quick question for you guys so uh, we have an opportunity, me and my wife, to buy a house, but the problem is, is that it's a million dollar house, but it has two rental properties inside the house that would bring in around five grand a month. And so the mortgage would only be around $4,000 a month and we can make potentially around five. Do you think that'd be a smart decision to do to buy that house? Not if you're dependent not? on the rent to pay the bill. Okay. Cause let me tell you what, just, I don't know where, I don't know where you were in the last three years, but in some areas rent, uh, you couldn't evict someone for not paying for six months because of the pandemic yeah. during which time you would have been foreclosed on, sir. Yeah. So the, the thing is though, is that there you drove right past that and didn't hear a dadgum thing I said. <laughs> I did, but, um, I'm just curious because we're. I don't know. We feel pressured to do it from certain people, but we're kind of hesitant. 
the thing is, though, is that it's not like a typical rental. It's Airbnbs, and they have a three-year that's even worse three-year track history where they're bringing um that's even uh, worse because now we've got cities passing laws not allowing Airbnb because they're in violation of zoning. Okay. Why were you hesitant? You just nailed the whole thing. You're feeling pressure from some people that you and your wife respect big time. They have a lot of influence over you, and yet you're hesitant. What are you hesitant about? I'm uh, just hesitant because it seems like a good opportunity, but also don't know if we can make it work. Yeah, I yeah. think there's a lot more risk here than the yeah. people pressuring you have any concept of. That's right. They don't know what the flip they're talking about. So, no, I'm okay. not going to tell you to do this deal based on this. I think you're going. I think you're going to get yourself in trouble. Uh, and on top of that, you're living in a house with other people. Ugh. Kind of defeats the purpose, man. If I wanted to live in a hotel, I'd buy a hotel. Ugh. No, thank you. Um, just, you know, all in the name of I can make a buck. All in the name of all real estate's a good investment. All real estate's not a good investment. Real estate is a good investment. All education is not a good investment. Education is a good investment. But there are stupid forms of real estate and stupid forms of education. I mean, you can get a degree in German polka history or medieval left-handed puppetry, but that doesn't mean you're going to end up being anything but a barista. And that, you know, that's stupid education. And when you buy real estate leveraged up to your eyeballs and you say, well, the renters are going to pay the rent, that's stupid. Because I've, I've had renters for 30 years. Let me just tell you, some of them don't pay sometimes. Mm-hmm. They go in Chapter 13 bankruptcy. There's a pandemic moratorium on, on evictions, and you're sitting on them. And, uh, you know, it had nothing to do with the pandemic. They just chose to not pay yeah. because the government told them they could. And then when you do finally get them out, they have, ugh, can you tell I'm bitter? Well, you got to beware of the influence trap. What you just heard, folks, happens to all of us at some point in our lives if we're not careful. And people that we respect and love dearly. That are stupid. Who Yes, but yet they tell us it's a good idea. And something in our guts, this young man, he said, we're hesitant about it. He didn't feel right about it, but the influence of people who have no idea what they're talking about makes him think, well, gee whiz, they said it's a good idea. Maybe I should consider it. Thankful he called the show today. Yeah, read some articles about what's happening to Airbnb politically in a whole bunch of markets. They're getting their face smacked, man, and their hands and everything else smacked. And so you can read, you, you build your whole pro forma based on Airbnb performance, you can really get yourself in a crack, dude. Don't do it. Don't do it. This is the Ramsey Shadow.